Welcome, my name is Rachel Miller, and this is The Haunted Miss South Show, formerly known as The Haunted Midwest Show. On this podcast, we discuss the paranormal as well as the historical aspects of some of the most haunted places in the southern and midwestern regions. Today, we are sitting down with Sarah. She is a ghost tour uh, tourist for the Crescent Hotel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, Sarah, I don't think you know how excited I am to be talking about this place <laughs> with you. Um, I've actually stayed at the Crescent twice. Both times, my fiance and I have had ex- crazy experiences. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Um, so I can legitimately say to everybody, um, on the podcast that this place is definitely deserves the title of most haunted hotel in yes. America, at least <laughs> to me, at least I've been convinced of that. And so has he. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, I'm looking forward also to coming back a third time soon. Yes. Um, so first off, could you give us a brief history lesson on the Crescent Hotel? Sure. Well, the Osage Nation was the first people to use the land uh, in Eureka. They didn't live on the land. They only used it for their ceremonial purposes for healing and purification. Uh, At that time, there was, you know, 60 some springs in the area, but they were still using a couple of main ones for their ceremonial purposes. Um, They used one at the Basin Park, which is also our sister hotel. It's right next door to it. And you can actually see uh, where they used to do their ceremonies from. It's pretty cool. Uh, But in the early 1800s, the Osage were uh, moved over to Oklahoma and uh, the land became kind of overgrown, just really small trails in there. Uh, A lot of people were searching for these healing springs that they had been using. And they would even invite their enemies over to use the waters, uh, even during times of war, as long as they would leave their weapons at the boundaries and come in peace. So they knew this was a really special spot. And Dr. Jackson was one of those people who had been searching for these springs for about, you know, almost 20 years already. (coughs) Excuse me. Finally brought his son over to the area. They were camping and hunting. Uh, Through some misfortune, actually, they found the springs, or what he thought was the springs, and his son treated his eyes for about three days. He had a condition called granulated eyelids, uh, which really meant that every time he blinked, it was painful, it was incurable at that time. Uh, He treated his eyes for about three days, and they healed up, and Dr. Jackson knew he had finally found the springs of legend. Uh, that is consequentially why they call it Eureka. <laughs> now he went on to bottle that water. He called it Dr. Jackson's eye water and sold it without letting the uh, origin of the waters be known for a very long time. Uh, and then he invited his friend Judge Saunders over from Berryville, just one town over. And Judge Saunders was pretty well known and very well respected. Uh, he told everybody who would listen about the springs and our population from a, went from about 200 to almost 15,000 people in a very short period of time. Uh, so it was kind of like a gold rush, but these were ailing people trying to get as close to the healing spring waters as possible. Uh, they brought, you know, uh, tents and shanties. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, no building plans to speak of, just trying to heal themselves. And uh, it got quite polluted in that area as there was not a lot of uh, sewer systems or uh, modern uh, 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 customs. And so people started to leave the area. Uh, And that's when Powell Clayton, he noticed uh, this area and he actually had a background in city planning. He's the ninth governor of Arkansas. And he saw this being a health spa resort area in Eureka, just like they had a lot of times on the East Coast and in Europe at that time. It was very popular with a wealthy class of people and that's who they wanted here in Eureka. Uh, So him and some wealthy associates got together and created something called the Eureka Improvement Company. 
they built some nice roads. They built uh, sewer systems, uh, some very nice buildings, gas lit streets. And uh, the Crescent Hotel was one of those buildings. And it was finished in just two years time, which even by today's standards is awfully fast. But this was 1886. And at that time, it cost about $294,000. But by today's money, that, that is almost $8 million. So this was a fancy place because it had ed brand new Edison light bulbs, steam heat, an in-house orchestra that played even at tea time. So that's pretty fancy. Uh, it boasted a bathroom for about 80% of the rooms. So that's not sounding very impressive, but at that time it was very luxurious. Uh, and you couldn't just come stay at the hotel whenever you felt like it. You had to be invited uh, by the Eureka Improvement Company, sort of like a country club. Uh, and they were catering to the uber rich. The They called them the carriage set of that time now we call that the one percent so they had a lot of money they loved it there too they bought homes properties there unfortunately by 1902 business at the hotel had already gone down so they sold uh, to the frisco railroad who actually helped them open it uh, they opened it up to the public and still found themselves to be very slow in the winter time so in 1908, they invited the Crescent College and Conservatory to join them. And this made it a boarding school for wealthy young girls in the wintertime and then still open to the public in the summertime. Uh, now, this was a very uh, nice college for these women because most of the time in the early 1900s, they're getting a certificate of domestic completion. Uh, this was a well-rounded education. It was an accredited college, so a pretty rare opportunity for these ladies. Uh, we uh, also know that it went on until about 1934. And at that time, the Great Depression had hit. Uh, even mo most of our wealthy families could not afford to send their young ladies to a college like this. And our entire hotel shut down for about three years. And then enters Norman Baker, who was sort of a charlatan and a snake oil salesman. He actually had a background in vaudevillian performance, my magic and mind tricks. Uh, he had dabbled in machining and inventing, but he ended up at the Crescent treating cancer. He thought he had cured himself of tuberculosis as a young man and only 19 years old by using the power of his mind, mental therapeutics, they called it. And uh, he was claiming to be able to cure any kind of cancer with this mental therapeutics and this special formula number five. Uh, and he was claiming to be able to cure it in six weeks time and boasting a 100% success rate. And of course, we know it was uh, basically zero. So. That's why we talk about him a lot about the hotel as well. Uh, but going forward, we really had some mob owners of the hotel in the 1940s. Uh, we had uh, a fire at the hotel in the 1960s, which took out uh, two of our top floor suites, our fifth floor suites, and a good portion of the fourth floor that we're on, uh, or that we do our ghost tours from, I'm sorry. And, uh, and then at that time, uh, the hotel kind of went into a slow decline because people had bought the hotel. It went up for auction a lot or got repossessed by the bank. And in the 90s, finally, Marty and Elise Rennick bought the hotel and uh, they were advocates of history and antiquities. They dealt in pipe organs and just happened to hear about the Basin Park and the Crescent Hotel being auctioned off. Uh, they were going to, the people that were going to buy it at auction were actually going to uh, take the bricks that the hotels built out of and build condos instead. So we're kind of glad they didn't. Uh, but they also started the ghost tours because before that was pretty taboo to talk about ghosts. Nobody thought anybody want to stay at an old haunted hotel, but how wrong they were. Yeah, no, now, uh, nowadays you want that on your right. website. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. You that's can, a selling point. Yeah, now it's marketable. <laughs> right. Which is part, I mean, it works though, because that was half the reason, you know, I'm, I'm, I love history. Um, oh, yeah. Me too. I'm a big history buff. That's what I'm going to school for. But 
um, just hearing that also, you know, it's one of America's most haunted hotels. I'm like, sold. What, so Yeah, oh, me too. That's how I found it on Ghost Adventures. So Yes. Truly. Um, yeah, we, we stayed on, well, the first time we went, we went in August of last year for my fiance's birthday. And Very I good. cannot remember, I think we're on the third floor, if I remember correctly. Okay. On yep. the third floor. We had some things happen, nothing crazy. Um, okay. The first night we were there, I mean, um, we felt like someone has was walking around our room actually, oh, um, and it was it was weird. Our room was very nice and comfortable, but then after a certain time, we woke we both woke up at the same time, and we felt like can't really describe it, but it's it's like when you're alone somewhere, but you know you feel like you're not though. Not you alone. Know, you feel <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, you feel like someone else is in the room with you, and we were just like. Thoughts? Well, yeah, we both feel it, but, but nothing really. Yeah, see but, anything in particular? Yes. Yeah, nothing really happened the first time, but we loved it. We still love the hotel, sure, you sure. know, everything. And we have a friend that this. So we flash forward to February of this year. It was our friend's birthday, and he doesn't really believe in the paranormal, but he hears us oh. talk about it all the time. Sure. So we said, "Well, let's make a believer out of you. We're going to take you to the Crescent then for your birthday." And he, he was all on board. Um, it was, it helped that we brought ghost hunting equipment. Like we had the EMF detectors, someone had loaned us, you know, ovulus, all of that. Um, and for those who don't know, the an EMF detector is an electromagnetic field uh, uh, meter. And uh, they use it, I believe they use it for bad wiring, correct? Like, sure. For yeah, houses yeah. To find and out if the wires are. Yeah, yes. or if there's wires in the wall where you're about to cut. Exactly. So they yes. do have to be active to be noted. So right. So it is an actual tool um, mm -hmm. that people use, but um, what paranormal investigators believe is that we, it can detect, you know, energy that shouldn't be there, like in the middle of the room or where there's nothing electrical whatsoever, and it goes off. Well, boy, um, the first night we stayed at in the fourth floor. Where, where uh, I think it was, I can't remember exact room, but it was okay. off to the side to the left. You get okay. you get off the elevator, you make a right, and then you make a, another left, and it's oh, just like okay. one room. It's like I right. think there's like yeah, like right next to the kind of like where the restaurant, the balcony is. Right. Yes. Yes. And we had our EMF detector go off a lot. We had um, the ovulus was sh shooting out words. Uh, Billy. Um, it would say hug, it would say all these, you know, just random mommy. It would just, it was, it was oh. very strange. Oh. <laughs> That's interesting though, because we do have uh, supposedly a little girl that kind of hangs out in that area. So the oh. things that you were getting are not really that uncommon. In fact, a lot of people walking down that hallway away from your room will say that they can feel a little girl holding their hand as they walk down the hallway. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, um, trying to think. Nothing really else happened that night. Well, again, we felt like somebody else was in the room in oh, the sure. night. You know, we heard talking and everything, but it was kind of muted, so we couldn't really tell if it was like someone outside or if it sure. was in our room. But it, you know, it was, um, it was still, you know, good. It was still pretty cool to get all that. Then was your friend a believer when he was ready to leave the hotel or more of a believer, I should ask? Well, the first night he was on the fence, but so we had to move rooms because I wanted to get him the governor's suite oh, uh, yeah. for like, the, I wanted it for two nights, but we just, sure. we couldn't do that. And I think it was booked up the first night. So sure, sure. we moved downstairs to where the governor's suite is. 
And let me just tell you, he became a full-on believer after that. Um, I will condense it because a lot happened. Oh, that's awesome. But we were in there and we, we first we, we booked there in the room and it was, you know, it's a beautiful room. It's two bedrooms, a um, little mini hallway with a little, you know, mini uh, fridge trying to describe mm -hmm. for the people they can see, kind of understand what it looked like mm -hmm. and then you have like a little a little victorian sitting looking room really pretty little balcony no it's just a very nice room and i think the craziest thing that happened the first time it or the first thing that happened was we went to take him out to dinner at this restaurant by you guys um and my fiance had left his phone in the room to charge because it was dead mm -hmm. Now, this was around five o'clock and this, I'll tell you why this is important later. It was still light out, barely, okay. but it was still light out. Right. He left his phone face down in the room and we left and we went to go do some things. You know, we went, checked out the rest of the grounds, went to the, oh, I'm so sorry. I actually skipped a big part too. The first night <laughs> we were there. Um, there is some kind of woods in, at the front of the hotel, not like mm -hmm. super deep, but you know, right. there's like a little trail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we went there at night and because, oh, <laughs> you know, that's smart. Because that sounds like a great time to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we felt safe. You know, we were yeah. still on the oh, grounds yeah. and everything. No, you're in but the scary stuff is the, the ghosts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I wasn't worried about anything else. It was just the ghost stuff. I don't know. Is that area pretty haunted as well? Do things happen around that area as well? All of Eureka is pretty haunted. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later if you want. I'll let you tell yeah. your story. But. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so it was probably around 10 o'clock or so. And we were walking around the woodsy area and we have the ovulus, which the ovulus is a device that just shoots out random words. Right. Uh, we believe that it can be a hit or miss. Sometimes I think it's just shooting oh, words yeah. randomly. I and mean, sometimes we've had some accurate things. Oh, yeah. Well, we were walking and the ovulus goes off and it says tragedy. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I guess that I could connect that to you know sure. everything that was going on at the hotel back you know when norman baker had it maybe that's has something sure. to do with it so yeah. i was like that's kind of cool as we were going further we heard uh, a couple not just one but a couple of coyotes in the distance oh, yeah and we're like ooh, i don't you know we probably <laughs> should head back it's not wolves you know or anything like that right. but it, was, it was still unnerving we're like we're gonna go back so we're racing back and as we're racing back the ovulus goes off again and it says, um, hurry. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to tell me twice, I'm going. <laughs> yes. So I thought, I, I mean, it had nothing to do with it, but I just thought that was interesting. It was like almost yeah. something was kind of warning us, like, hey, you should probably head back to the hotel. Absolutely. Because I don't, um, I believe not all spirits are, you know, are bad. I believe there oh, are definitely no. ones that are there to help you. So, uh, but anyway, what were you going to say about that area well you know the all of eureka is pretty haunted i mean it being on sacred ground to begin with makes it a very uh emotionally charged place yeah um but even on ghost adventures they talk about the limestone being a magnet for spirit activity and there's plenty of limestone under our you know town there in fact you have to uh make sure you can drill a well if you're going to buy a piece of property because there's so much stone there 
And there's still free flowing springs in the area all over the place. And they say that when water runs over limestone, it creates a measurable amount of electromagnetic force. And that means there's actual amount of electricity that's pr provided from that action. And that maybe we don't have any more spirits than any other historical place, but they sort of are able to harness that energy and sometimes move things or be seen or connect with us in a way that in other places, they're not always able to uh, gather enough energy to do so. So really uh, there's just not one place in Eureka that doesn't have a historical background anything between civil war um, stuff happening in that area you know all the way to the mob days you know so there was a lot of things that kind of hung around in town for sure yeah we definitely got the uh, feeling walking around that you, you're just never alone even when you oh are. yeah no it's downtown doesn't matter you know, plus all those buildings uh, there was a decree in the 1890s um, that said that uh, they had had a huge fire right before that mm -hmm. that took out most of downtown and so they decreed that nothing could be built from wood. It would all be built from limestone, uh, which prevented a lot of damage going forward. So you have to remember that most of those buildings have not been really renovated or updated, you know, updated to the extent that most places have been mm -hmm. since the 1890s. So these buildings and these spaces have been a lot of different things before they what they are what they are today, of course. So that's where a lot of that spirit activity comes from as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe it. Um, and he def our friend definitely believed it when, <laughs> when he wants to come back. Um, it didn't scare him off. It actually made him more intrigued. Uh, I was I was shocked. Um, I'll tell my last story and then I want to know. Uh, I'll ask you, like, you know, uh, what your favorite what your favorite sure. encounter is. Um, so that was the first night and he thought that was strange, but he was still, you know, he's like, eh, it could be coincidental, you know, not I'm not sold yet. But he's a historic he's a history buff too so he he loved he loved just the hotel in general sure. um so we get to the so flash forward to the second night we're at our final night we're at the governor's suite and my fiance had left his phone we went to dinner went to walk around the grounds did some things came back hours later and uh i think it was like gosh i don't know 11 o'clock or so oh, and gosh. um we're all kind of like we we left some of the emf stuff in his room and mm -hmm. kind of spread it we left the, we have like three of them and we left two of them in his room one in ours mm -hmm. um bedrooms and his would go off we'd put it but like right by the doorway and his would go <laughs> off like something was walking or entering like entering or exiting his room and i was like huh well your room seems to get the most activity so that's interesting and he started now that the sun had set he was starting to get a little nervous <laughs> right, right, and right. he's like when he saw that you know things were moving in and out of his room he's like uh okay i was like you're fine man you know you're good well i'm sitting there and i'm about to head to bed and then my fiance just jumps up and goes yo what i was you know i'm like what's wrong on and he says guys what what time did we leave i said i, I don't know like around five why and he goes my phone was here right i said yeah well he sh uh, shows he runs over to me and he shows on his phone there are over 50 images completely black and what? there is a mist in every photo and it's getting more progressively bigger and they get smaller and then a face forms what that is awesome you can even see like a bony finger it's not yeah. like it's it's very distorted but it's somebody yeah, but you can see it That's and cool. it, it's crazy and it's a woman and so we're like what and he's like my phone was here 
and it was not dark. Like he tried to recreate it. He put it in his pocket. He tried to take pictures with this, you know, in his pocket. He, he <laughs> laid the phone back down on the table, was taking pictures, screenshots. Nothing oh, came close. And just as he said, there was something in our room. All the EMF detectors go off at once. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. Well, my friend starts crying. <laughs> he's just he's had enough and <laughs> so i'm like well then joseph he, he was my fiance was just freaking out he's like let's let's go to the front let's let's go to the lady at the front and see like let's tell her about it so you know we leave our room we rush up there and he's showing her and everything and um and the lady at the front she was like oh yeah just nonchalantly she's like oh yeah that's the lady in the mist yeah <laughs> and my friend is just, she, yeah. <laughs> she falls right in front of that uh, root, that room, you know, onto the ground in the garden, basically. So yeah, I wanted you to tell the story if you don't mind telling the story oh, about yeah. the lady in the mist. So we can kind of we didn't know about this till after. So it was just oh. mind blowing. Well, that's the best, you know, the best for us uh, investigators and guides is when we hear somebody tell a story and they have not heard the story before. Um, but the lady in the mist was actually a college student at the college. Uh, now back then they were very well chaperoned, uh, no boys allowed. And also, you know, these are Texas tycoons daughters and things. So these are very high end ladies. So these Eureka boys, the local boys were not the boys they're supposed to be hanging out with anyways. But um, they're young people. They're 17 ish. So they would lower down their laundry basket, uh, give the local boys a special little whistle. The boys would jump in the basket. The girls would pull them up and enjoy them for a while. <laughs> well, and it turns out our lady in the mist, we think, may have been with child. Now, unfortunately, a woman of her stature, unmarried and with child at that time, would have been very embarrassing for her and her family. And right. she may have just thrown herself off the balcony, but she is always seen all dressed in white, just like the college girls would have been. She falls from a mist from that third story balcony right above you guys. And then she lands in the garden right there. Now, she also dissipates in a mist as soon as she lands. But a lot of people have reported seeing a dark figure backing away from the balcony after they see her fall. So maybe somebody else was a little embarrassed by her situation as well. Mm -hmm. It might have not have been self-driven. But she does, uh, is seen most often, <coughs> excuse me. In fact, uh, a police officer actually saw her. Uh, he was sitting out at, we have like a little East Mountain lookout. And it's just a little awning in the middle of kind of nowhere, but it has a beautiful view of the Crescent Hotel. And he was sitting up there waiting for a call to come in. And he saw that lady in the mist standing on the third story balcony, but he didn't know it at that time. He just saw a woman wearing white. And we have a ton of weddings there and he didn't think much of it until he saw her fall. And he was so convinced of what he saw that he called in a jumper at the Crescent Hotel. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it brought, brought sirens in from everywhere. Uh, we had to explain that we had not had an emergency, uh, but he was pretty convinced at what he saw. And of course, being a police officer makes him a re reliable source. So right. kind of a story. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how long ago was this? Uh, this would have been probably about 13, 14 years ago. So it's been a while, but um, but she is seen. Like you guys got her a little bit, and especially people staying in her room have gotten silhouettes of her uh, standing in the window. Uh, I had a guest that actually got gotten a picture of it as well. Um, so kind of fun. That's crazy. Yeah, when when we found out that um, about the lady in the mist afterwards, it just like you said, it added to the credibility of it. Now. Oh, yeah what was i think i have my memory like i think i have my story wrong um when i tell people because i think she told us i'm not 100 sure you can correct me on this i probably yes. heard it wrong that um was that norman baker's office as well 
Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. I was okay. So she had said when, that. Okay. When you go into the suite, uh, the room to the left-hand side uh, would have been part of his uh, office because uh, it was right behind the gift shop or what's now the gift shop, and that's where they were admitting the patients. He had his office right behind there. Uh, he had Tommy guns on the wall. He had bulletproof glass in the ga- bulletproof glass in the front of the gift shop, or like it's in the glass part. Uh, he was a pretty paranoid guy. Plus, at one time, they had found an escape route in that um, suite as well. In one of the closets, they found an escape route with a trap door that went to the suite above. Because he was always trying to escape somebody. So, kind That's of crazy. fun. And that wasn't until the early 2000s when they found that even. Oh, wow. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when she said, because um, I couldn't remember if she said that, but yeah, she said, oh, I think that, that was Norman Baker's office. Our friend then was just like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? Well, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's where uh, Brecky lived as well. Brecky is our, our the little boy that, uh, it kind of haunts the second floor. But mm-hmm. if I'll be honest with you, we've gotten a lot of Brecky uh, stuff going on in that uh, room to the right, actually, because we think maybe that's where uh, him and his, his uh, family stayed as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And also, right there's a ballroom, right? And that's, yeah. kind of, or not ball, but that's, isn't that also kind of where the girls' college? I think I remember yeah. someone talking about that as well. Lots of activity there. They used to have tea dances. Now, back then, it was a, a solarium. So that means it was more of an open aired room. Uh, they could move uh, big doors and they had stained glass in the windows and they would have kind of open air tea dances inside, outside. Uh, and in the 60s, when we had that fire, it, uh, kind of it had one of our um, smokestacks fall off the building and it crushed the structure so eventually they rebuilt it in the 90s as more of a ballroom but at the time it was a little bit more like a solarium so kind of fun thank you for listening today this concludes part one of our episode for more information on our show visit us on facebook or at haunted midwest show dot wixsite dot com slash haunted